You're listening to Eye on the Ball with Steve Rivera. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera, with new entry music. What happened with that? That's a good question, Steve. I'm not entirely sure. It's been kind of a weird day on the electronics front here. We've had some things that just... It's the ghosts and the gremlins in the system, and they pick today as their day to rear their head. So That's fine. ZZ Top is cool. Is it Sharp Dressed Man? It is Sharp Dressed Man. Well, God knows that I'm not sharp dressed today. It's COVID-19. COVID <laughs> no Stay one at home. is. <laughs> it's, no one's it's, sharp uh, dressed, it's, Steve. It's okay. It's, it's, it's shorts, uh, slippers, and in, in the top, and a hat. You uh, do, do, you, do you own a top hat, though? That's the real question. No, no, I don't, but I do own a fedora or like one of those, you know, cool hats, okay. like reporter hats. Yeah. But I'm wearing just a regular baseball hat today. Ah. Uh. Uh, good to hear your voice, Tom. A lot of stuff going on, I guess. I, I'm going to have Bill Buckmaster on at, at 6.15, 6.16. He had an interesting uh, interview with uh, Dr. Robbins. You uh, teased that at the 6 o'clock news. Uh, I'm going to get uh, Buckmaster's uh, reaction to it. Uh, I listened to it um, this afternoon and found it kind of interesting. Not kind of, very interesting. And so we'll talk about that. It's not a complete shock because I think the biggest questions are what's going to happen in August when the kids return to school? Uh, and will they be in class? Will they still continue to take uh, online classes? I'll let Bill talk about that at 6.15, 6.16. The interesting part was the gathering of the teams. No mention of, I don't think I can remember about mention of um, of uh, crowds uh, at the games. So a lot of things will have to be restructured. No question about that. And not just is it affected by football and basketball. It's it's all the other sports as well. And, you know, we, we saw that the seniors from the spring, spring sports were given an extra year. I would uh, believe that volleyball, uh, golf, and all that other stuff in the spring, in the um, in the fall, those sports will also be granted a senior year if they're not playing. So, more money lost. Uh, come on, we talked about this when this first happened a month, five weeks ago. Uh, a script writer doing this for Hollywood, they would have said, "Nah, this story's not believable." And here we are. Well, not only here we are, Steve, but, you know, we're kind of getting to that point now where if you're paying attention to the news whatsoever, even nationwide, you can see some people are starting to act out about it. And it's really starting to get inside people's heads and define their actions and their reactions to things. And it's it's not going all that well out there, I don't think, right now. And, and you know, it's it's hard because... We live in a, a land where we're fortunate enough in this country that, you know, to a certain extent, we have all these freedoms. And now some of them were being told, look, if you really wanted to go outside and, and you know, go to Walmart or whatever, you still can. Um, but it's just weird to me, like how certain things, even when you're told they're for your own good, doesn't matter. It just some people don't want to respond to them. And that translates you know, it's going to transcend the world of sports, but also directly affect it. No question. I know what you're getting at. The protests out there all over the world now, all over the country, that's for sure, um, in different sizes and shapes. Um, you know, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Uh, the safe answer is stay indoors and don't talk to anybody, don't get close to anybody. 
The other answer is, okay, good luck with your aggressiveness and being outside and wanting to open it up. I mean, so I, I think it, it, it doesn't affect you until it affects you. And then when it affects you, says, well, uh, okay, never mind. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, it does. And knowing people with compromised immune systems, and some of them are very near and dear to my heart, uh, you know, I don't want them pushing things, but I also don't want someone infecting them either. You know, it's, yeah, it's no, of course. It, it, and it's 601 and a half dozen of the other people who are saying, well, you know, they shouldn't be out then, they shouldn't be out then. That's great, but you can still have somebody bring the virus to you. And I think that that's what the, the, the point that people are missing in all this is that, look, you can carry it, have no symptoms, not know it, no, no. and spread it. Yeah. No, in fact, I was talking to some relatives this morning. Uh, I had to take my mom's car to the shop, and exactly, and they were talking about that. I says, well, I'm healthy, I'm healthy I, uh, with other people, and I'm thinking, okay, you might be a ghost carrier. Who knows? I might be a ghost carrier. It's, um, it's very scary. We just don't know. In fact, I talked about this uh, maybe on the show last week when I got very ill in February um, with the flu. At least that's what I thought I had. Maybe I had something uh, related to COVID. I don't know. I guess I should take a test to see if I've already had it. That's what they're talking about now. If you've had it in the last few months, you didn't know it, um, what was it? Um, so I was out for like a week. Uh, we all know that. Uh, so, and it's, it was, it was difficult and I'm fairly healthy, you know, older, but fairly healthy. So, so we'll see. I know it's very difficult. We're, we're just, it's unbelievable times. Um, so we're going to have Bill uh, on at 616. Uh, and then I'm going to have Jonathan Perlman on about 632. He's with FC Tucson, obviously, uh, general manager pretty much uh, of the organization. I haven't heard from him or them in a while to see what they're doing. Uh, I don't know if we've seen the season officially canceled or not. Maybe they're just still waiting it out, maybe half a schedule, because their schedule does go until September, October, I think. So we'll see what they do. Uh, man, I mean, like I say, it doesn't affect you until it affects you. Yes, it doesn't affect you until I affect you, or, or maybe I should have done something different. So we'll see. Um, uh, it's crazy time. Well, just, and a lot of things, everybody's kind of do, breaking news. This is all breaking news, apparently. Uh, schools are getting furloughed and coaches are getting furloughed and quitting, yada, yada. It's not a shock. I, I mean, what's, what's the news there? Um, Arizona's going to be furloughed for a while now. Uh, Robbins talked about that earlier this year, earlier this month. Uh, and I'm sure coaches are going to be hit hard in terms of their salary. But when you're making a ton of money, um, we'll see if that hurts them. Uh, are you there, Tom? I am here, Steve. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, whenever you're you're ready to go, Mr. Bill Buckmaster is also ready to go with us. So, okay, let's stay. Let's go to a quick break here, then, and have more time with Bill at the other side of this break here on Ten Thirty The Voice. Hey, welcome back to Eye in the Ball here on Ten Thirty The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera, and now on the phone I have KVOI colleague Bill Buckmaster. Bill, how are you? You had a great interview today. Hey, how are you tonight, Steve? Uh, yeah, things went, uh, uh, some, there were a couple of very surprising uh, items in the interview with the UA president, Dr. Robbins. Uh, first of all, he said a decision has been made that there will be face-to-face -face classes in August at the University of Arizona. He did say that the decision will be revisited in June for the final go-ahead. 
he also said personally he has not heard anything from the NC2A about the football season. However, his view was that it's very doubtful we'll be playing any college football at the University of Arizona this fall. What I did find very surprising, as first I've heard of this, uh, is the uh, basketball would not start in the fall, and there would be a combined basketball and football season in the spring. So this is the first I've heard about that, Steve. No, I found that to be the most interesting part of it. I think you can, can did, we, well, imagine the money lost in this 2020 season when you don't have one. Uh, and I know you can make it up in the uh, winter, uh, given January, February, March, uh, but that'll be uh, a crazy busy time. And I think they'll still be under some conditions that will have to be met in terms of crowdsourcing. Yeah, and looking at these numbers, uh, the president this is the biggest challenge, Steve, to higher education in the United States since the last big pandemic, and that would be uh, what was called the Spanish flu of 1918-1919, when the university uh, closed down. Uh, that would be the last time the universities ever closed down. That happened then. But let me give you a couple of these numbers. The shortfall this is uh, assuming that the on online will go away in the fall and it will be face to face the shortfall will exceed one quarter of a billion dollars 250 million dollars that the university will lose. this does not even take into consideration if there is no football or basketball in the fall these numbers Steve, are staggering. Enrollment will be dropped uh, at least 10%. The U of A is dependent on international and out-of-state students for about 60% of the enrollment. This is a real serious problem for the university. No question. I heard the the, the interview this afternoon. Uh, I, I I was understanding about the uh, the foreign students. No question, because I had seen that maybe a while back, maybe a week or so ago, and how many were uh, in attending, were in attendance, and then would not return. Um, what's the uh, what's the overall population of UA? About forty thousand. Forty. You would know better I believe than it's forty three thousand. Now the good news is that the international students, when all of this broke. In February, March, and February, they did not, uh, there were no plans to return, and they have not returned to their home countries by and large, so they're still on campus. So uh, we assume that most of them will be around for the fall semester. Now, the, the problem is you get the out of state kids, even over in California, if you're a parent, do you want to send the kid uh, out of state? Do you want to keep them closer to home? And that will be one of the big challenges for the U of A. But the, the no or no or no go, go or no go decision has to be made for, the, uh, for August in June. But right now the decision is face-to-face uh, classes, but sport, no sports basically uh, at the U of A in the fall. 
Imagine, and I was talking real quickly to uh, my guy Tom here, that uh, it doesn't just affect football and basketball, which are, of course, very popular, uh, but questionable in, in terms of popularity. But you have other sports, too, uh, volleyball, soccer, things like that. And if they did the same thing with the, uh, with the spring sports and the seniors, you know those sports are coming back. Those seniors are coming back. That's another cost, cost of this university. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the whole athletic department, as you know, and you probably know this a lot better than I do, but I know that what football and basketball I, I probably make up, what, uh, 80 to 85% of the, of the athletic department's right. budget. I'm just guessing that, that figure. Yes, it's, it's, well, it's, it's what sustains the whole program. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that um, I guess the the Pac-12 today released, or the U of A today released some kind of a schedule for the non-conference basketball games showing that, like, early games begin in November. All of that could just be, you know, this if they come back, they're going to have to have some kind of a uh, very, I guess, scaled-down kind of, the NC2A would have a very scaled-down football and basketball season going on at the same time in the spring. Now, how weird would that be, uh, especially with TV, with TV and everything? <laughs> yeah, no question. It would be to my um, to my guess that they would probably start January seventh, whatever whatever the number or date would be, and play just uh, a couple of non conference games, or or if at all any conference games non-conference games and play all conference games and figure out where to go from there. Yeah, and and think about this, Steve. All the bowl games and the championship series, I mean, how big a deal would that be to not have any of that this fall? How big a revenue uh, deal is that for the NC2A? Yeah, there's it's it's way early in the situation. In fact, I saw something on the um, on the internet, but from a credible source, uh, that it was uh, kind of we're only in the second or third inning of this whole deal here. Of course, uh, everyone a month or so ago were saying, "Oh, it's it's not important, it's not that serious, yada yada," but that was just kind of warm ups. Now we're getting into the game where it's it's still early in the game, and you still see a lot of people passing. And you have to wonder, what about pro football? Maybe you have a better take on this. Think about the money there and whether they will decide they've got to make something happen with games being played without fans. Yeah, no question. Uh, they'll lose a ton of money, obviously, but they do have TV revenue. Uh, we all know that people will be glued to the um, to these, to the TV stations watching their respective teams. But also... You know, if you're an owner and if you're a player, do you really want to put yourself in jeopardy going up against a, another guy getting close and physical and possibly getting nailed from it? Yeah, I mean, it's a contact. It's the sports are basically contact sports, and and uh, you, you're in, you're very close to other people. And then there's the whole thing: of who's going to want to sit? Uh, next to people in a stadium. So the, these are all issues that have to be worked out. Going back to the financial situation with the U of A, uh, 
they have a situation developing where they are all online, kind of virtual classroom. And basically, they've had to give refunds for, like, dormitories and things like that. I think that's added up to be close to $95 million, if I recall. So then there's the whole idea, Steve, about what is the college experience? And the college experience is people who come to campus, they like the interaction, uh, the social interaction. They di- Basically, they didn't sign up for online. You hear what I'm saying? Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could do that at the comfort of your home in uh, New Jersey. <laughs> You know, it's snowing in New Jersey. You want to be in Tucson when it's, you know, 72 degrees. Yeah, it's, you know, the whole social thing and and football and the games and all the parties and all that. And it's just going to be very weird to to see how all of this is going to develop. Um, The people are so... Right now, they're just, they would love to watch anything, any sports activities on TV. I guess the golf tournaments are going to, the pro golf is going to start up uh, in June. Is that what you hear? Yes, that's what they said. The funny thing about it, Bill, and you, you spoke to Dr. Robbins about this, that's what the decision is as of yesterday or today. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a moving sand. It's a moving sand in the line, a line in the sand where, okay, we say this today, but it could change tomorrow. And it's the same thing when we're looking at these, on the news side, on these COVID numbers. Um, I I had the former health director for the state of Arizona, Will Hummel, on my show uh, a couple of days ago. And Will was talking about that Arizona cases peaked um, last week. But then you have the state health director, uh, Dr. Christ, in her blog today saying the peak will come uh, in later May or early June, she was looking at different modeling than Will Hummel, who was looking at the University of Washington modeling. Steve, this stuff is changing. It's such a moving target. It's changing almost by the hour. Yes, um, I, I don't. I, I think you'll be okay with me saying this. Uh, I'm I'm in my mid fifties. You're a little bit older than me. Uh, in the circles that you at one time uh, traveled in, I know you're probably not traveling in those circles now because of, of the situation. What have you heard from that group, and how scared are they? Um, uh, many of my my friends are very very scared, and they don't. They order, uh, you know, they order takeout, but. They have someone deliver it to them. They have their groceries delivered to them. So uh, then there's the the other folks that, uh, uh, you know, they're more, well, let's take it. Uh, I don't want to say, well, yeah, you're taking a chance. Uh, they're a little more, uh, they go out and they go to the grocery store. Um, it's just, uh, this is a very difficult situation for people who are over 65, but it's kind of all over the block in, in how at least the people I react with are, are that I interface with are handling this. Yeah, no question. I was talking to Tom earlier and said, I don't know if there's a right answer or a wrong answer in what you're doing. I think you just have to be smart about it. Um, So, you know, you see the protesters doing what they're doing. Uh, We can understand why they're doing it, uh, the economic uh, impact on everything. Then you have the ones who are staying at home and saying these guys are fools and vice versa. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy in the polarization of this whole thing. Yeah, the polarization, and and like everything else, Steve, 
everything is being seen through a political lens. And that's really, uh, it's too bad that this whole pandemic is being seen this way. But I'm telling you, that's kind of the way it breaks. And uh, it's too bad we all really can't get on the same page about getting rid of this thing and and fighting this thing. But uh, there's so much polarization going on, just like uh, pretty much everything else we've seen over the last few years. No question. We have a couple of minutes, Bill. Uh, I know uh, that Dr. Uh, Dr. Robbins talked about um, furloughs. Uh, I caught that briefly. Uh, What did he talk about obviously there's someone who makes a ton of money there's sean who makes a ton of money and if they don't have their seasons how that will be impacted i have not uh, yeah everybody's going to go on a furlough or a uh, or a pay cut steve now i have not heard how it's all worked out with the contracts for uh, for coach sumlin on the football side and coach Miller on the basketball side. Now, from what I understand, there was nothing about pandemics in their contracts. Boy, that's going to be something, isn't it? That's all the legal people from now on are going to be including uh, in contracts. So I I don't know what kind of a pay cut they will be taking, but uh, some of your higher paid people at the U of A, I think it's they're taking uh, a twenty percent pay cut. Uh, and then, of course, um, everyone's taking furlough days that can be anywhere from, um, I think it's like 25-day work days, and it right. can go up to – so there, everybody's being hit by this, but um, who knows what uh, Coach Sumlin and Miller will be, will be taking. But isn't that interesting that nobody ever thought – to write in a contract for these coaches. I'm sure these contracts are 20, 30 pages long, but not a word about a pandemic. No, no, not at all. In fact, uh, you know, the, the history and the climate right now, someone's not um, uh, a favorite of many. Uh, Sean has gone through uh, not a great few, four years, five years, um, and this could save jobs. This could just heighten the, what are we going to do now? Yeah, and uh, folks, if you want to uh, hear the interview, it's about uh, a 20-minute conversation with uh, with the president, UA president. It's on my website, which is buckmastershow.com. It's posted there right now. Thank you, Bill. Hey, great to have you on the show. We'll talk Thank to you, you soon. Thanks, Appreciate Steve. It. Sure, Bye-bye. thanks, Bill. Let's take a quick break here and come back on the other side. Hey, welcome back to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera, and we're trying to reach Mr. Perlman right now, and we'll talk about soccer. I hadn't heard much about uh, what's going on with them. Obviously, they're suspended uh, play uh, or hasn't suspended the season when all this broke late last or about five, five, six weeks ago. Um, so I wanted to touch base with gentlemen. Uh, Jonathan Perlman uh, here and talk about the sports and his team specifically. It's a crazy time, as we all know, uh, but enjoy talking to John um, all the time. So I'm trying to get him on the phone. Uh, my guy Tom trying to tra- track him down. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but interesting conversation with, with Bill. Uh, he's very good at what he does. Got Dr. Robbins on. Uh, it was very candid it, it, that Wall School uh, right now should be 
kind of uh, in, in full swing for whatever that means, a face-to-face going to school, going to class in August, in September, uh, but no football or possibly basketball. That's his prediction. Um, I don't uh, see any reason to not believe it, but um, it's varying opinions right now. We don't know. I know as of today, there's the news is a lot of the states are going to kind of open it up more and more. I saw Governor Ducey's Dushi, uh, uh, um Press conference earlier, he's talking about it's still in effect until uh, uh, April 30th, April 31st, and then he'll uh, see what happens after that. Maybe they stay uh, in lockdown here for a few more days, weeks, months, who knows, but um, we are where we are right now. Uh, Now on the phone, I have Jonathan Perlman of FC Tucson. Jonathan, how are you? Steve, how are you? It's good to speak with you. Same here. It's been a while. Um, obviously, uh, you guys are suspended right now. What's the vibe with FC Tucson? What's going on? Well, right now we're following obviously the uh, you know the CDC guidelines and best practices for the U.S. Federation, of course, our league. So we're on moratorium for training right now up till May third. That's the only definitive. But um, obviously. There's a number of challenges to us coming back, and uh, we're trying to address some of those, obviously, on the team level, the league level, and then, of course, there's the whole Arizona level and then, uh, you know, federal guidelines and things of that nature. But certainly we're in a holding pattern right now. We're not not working. We're working on a lot of things. But um, a lot of them is modeling. A lot of them are, you know, ways we could get back. So um, that's really what we're looking at right now is finding a way back and then being prepared. So the players are training on their own. They're taking care of their bodies. They're making sure they're ready when we do return to training. But ultimately, right now, we're in a, a bit of a holding pattern, Steve. Would, the, would this uh, be naive uh, right now? The season would have already started, correct? Yes, we'd be well into the season right now. We would be, uh, you know, basically in, in the, right about the end of our first month of play. So, uh we would have had a game this coming weekend. And, um, yeah, it's um, certainly been a, a challenging time for everyone. And, of course, you know, first and foremost on our minds are the, you know, obviously the health of our players and the health of our staff and the health of everyone here in Tucson and across the country and around the world. But, you know, we would like to get back. Obviously, we are, we're soccer players, we're athletes, we're competitors. We want to do the things we do to bring us the greatest amount of joy. But, Obviously, it's it's taking its toll on the sporting industry, and we obviously with the requirements for us to operate, being that people come to games, we're one of the first industries to fall. Hello. Oh, I'm not sure where Steve might have gone on us here, but uh, John, I can I can jump in there. Can you expand on that just a little bit? I mean, obviously, it's not the easiest setup when you're you're trying to figure all this stuff out, and you know, obviously, as you mentioned, this is not just something that the team and the league has to figure out, but also there are other major factors at work here. But what what's the process like? Uh, what do you guys have to go through in order to figure out? Do you play a limited schedule? Do you not play at all? I mean, how how many different moving parts are there with this? There are so many, but I can sort of take you through. So my week is spent, obviously, on a lot of Zoom calls, but we're on a number of committees with the league. First of all, we're Amanda Powers, our president, and I are on the board of governors of the league. So the board of governors decides, okay, 
you know, how do we want to move forward? Do we want to continue, you know, for solutions? And we'll talk about our player contracts and what our, our options are with all the facets of running a professional sports team. Then we have the COVID subcommittee where we're talking about what it looks like to get back to play and what the latest is and what moratoriums we have to put in on training when they might be lifted. Then you have, of course, your rescheduling and deciding what's the number of games you need to get in for it to, the season to be viable, and then how many people would have to attend those games, or can we create a model like you're talking about in other leagues where you're playing without fans and you're doing a made-for-TV type of thing to keep the fan engagement and to do a number of things to keep the league going. So all of these are continuous discussions. And, and of course, you know, it changes on a daily basis what the federal government doing and sort of the disconnect between the federal government and state governments right now add another layer to that. And then so we have different teams that are out of the country like Toronto who has different, you know, laws as it relates to Canada in terms of when they're willing to let people into their country or let people return to play. So there's just a lot of moving parts and obviously every time you make a decision there's a domino effect on all the things that need to change based on that decision. So it makes sense to take a slow and steady approach but uh, as we get further, further into the summer you start reaching closer to a point of no return but we have hypotheticals for schedules starting all different times and all different ways of playing and we're running those numbers on a daily basis you know here's another question you mentioned toronto being an international team but what about the players as well i mean the process of getting them back not everybody is a domestic player that's also going to present a lot of hoops to jump through so we were at the point where some of our players didn't even make it into the country now obviously with the changes in immigration and green cards that were pending or um, you know, basically, you know, P1 visas to play. We have players that are here that can't even go back to their home country if they wanted to at this point because it's dangerous. And there's just, there's just so many, so many different factors need to get to. And obviously, the players have to be at a level where you can't just throw them back on the field. They need some type of a minimal preseason prep period because if not, you'll have many injuries. And then obviously, the testing has to be at a level where you could actually test people. So I don't want to get into the medical weeds here, but there's clearly a lot of hurdles that need to be overcome. But that doesn't mean we're not exploring all of them and trying to overcome those hurdles. Yeah, I I would assume that you're working from home and all you guys are doing the Zoom thing like everybody else, and just how that affects the day-to-day. You're probably just as busy as you were when you were in the office. Yeah, I'm probably busier. And the hard part is, Steve, I'm busy with all the things that are not so fun about my job, and I'm, I'm not getting to enjoy the best part of my job, which is the game and the players and the interaction. You know, as a friend of mine said, as a coach, Steve, I'm a tactile person like a lot of us are. You know, I put my arm around players, we high five, we talk, we hug. You know, it's emotionally, it's draining as well. But I'll tell you, I'm so grateful to have my have a position and be, you know, somebody that's still still working. So again, my problems are first world problems, but obviously uh, we we certainly uh, are, are dealing with the players. And of course, there's the mental side. It's very trying on young guys that are far away from their homes or their countries, and they're under contract. And 
we can't let them go right now because that could cause I me mean, for for emergencies, of course. But we don't want to expose them to being sick and then have to quarantine them before they come back. So there's just so many things going on that are challenging. But we're up for the challenge, and we're just trying to take it day by day with you know a lot of care and a lot of thoughtfulness because the most important thing is the health of everybody around us, and that's and the health of this community and the health of of our country and the world. So we're we're grateful and we're just trying to address it the best we can in the most professional way and caring way possible. Yeah, no question. I think we're just hoping that it all turns out safe, one, and at some point opens up and we're continuing to be safe. Let me ask you, Jonathan, I know you're a huge sports fan for a lot of different things. What do you, outside of what you do for a living and what you see on the day-to-day, what do you miss the most? What do I miss the most? <laughs> I, I mean, I can I can break. I mean, first of all, I mean I don't know if anybody else is older parents, you know, but I'm really my parents are older and they're in in Connecticut. So I, I'm I'll, I'll say this: I miss my mom, you know. So I mean, I can say that right now. But I mean, all things that I miss doing again, I miss you know I miss the uh, you know I chose the job I chose because I could be outdoors and indoors and be part of something. I mean, sport is so unique, and I I'm such a big proponent of live sport that you know. I think I think I miss sports a lot, but I miss obviously, um, you know, the, the the outside sort of inter, interaction that you have with people that you you get to have when you are part of the soccer team, the going to practice, going and watching the guys, and having them in our office, and then of course working together in, in large groups on on projects and talking to people and meeting with them. I mean, in terms of that, I mean, I have. I'm very lucky. I just feel like I have more than I should have always, and I'm grateful. I feel more, I feel the thing I miss the most is obviously, you know, being able to bring something to people that's very special and unique, you know, in in the sport that we do and the way that we do it um, for the community. I certainly miss that. Yeah, no question. I don't know if you heard my first interview earlier with Bill Buckmaster. He got on the phone and had uh, Dr. Robbins on, and Robbins said that he does anticipate the school to return in the August, September time, face-to-face school, uh, but doesn't uh, look, doesn't, or isn't hopeful that the football season would go on, possibly even basketball. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm following the data, and I'm following I'm, Steve, I'm so blessed that, you know, one, I have, you know, a lot of people that work in the scholastic community um, that are, we're very close to, both John Gallus and all. We, I have three former players that are doctors that are high, that, that are, that were soccer players here in Tucson for Sabino and South Point and Foothills, and it's remarkable to hear what they have to say. Um, look, the odds are not good that, that large events are going to be able to happen, that those types of groups are going to be together and be able to do it. All we're trying to do is being ready if there is a possibility of it and then try to be as optimistic as we can about it. But Dr. Robbins is speaking a, a hard truth, you know, and, and there's, no, there's no getting around that hard truth. But ultimately, my job is to create the possibilities right now and we'll look at all of them. And there's going to be a time we're going to need to come back in some level, and that's going to be very different than it was before. So to come up with some of these models to work with um, our medical partners in Northwest, to work with the Pima County officials, and to come up with a task force to try to understand these things and what we could do much earlier, you know, in terms of small groups or something that could be televised, something that could bring the joy of live sport and Tucson team back 
is something that we want to do. So I'm going to, I'll, I'll spend 18 hours, 20 hours a day trying to figure it out. Even if it's, uh, as you'd say in, in the classics, a Sisyphean task, which is the guy who rolls the boulder up the mountain, wanting to see it go down. But let's be fair. You know, pro sports in Tucson has been that from the beginning. So if anybody's equipped to handle this, it's me. So uh, <laughs> all I can say is that I, I do well in crisis. I don't want crisis. I wish this would be over as soon as it can be. But um, the, the people who do well in this are people that can think outside the box, that become creative. And listen, there's, there's an opportunity to do unique things and to try to make something beautiful, beautiful out of something terrible. And maybe some of the ideas that come from the work that we're trying to do are going to be translatable when we come back to full play again and make that play even better and, and the product even better. So, again, you can only go about the process with honesty and integrity. But if, you want, if you're going to ask, I know you always like to ask me this, come to head, John, questions, you know, and, you know, and I, I'm, I'm always very, for me, I'm a New Yorker, I'm East Coast, I'm very frank, I'm not a Pollyannic person, but ultimately, look, we all know what the odds are, and they're not good, but that doesn't mean that, you know, it's impossible and stranger things have happened, and you, you have people all around the world solely focused on one thing, which is a vaccine for this, and when that many smart people get together, we normally might take 12 or 18 months to happen in any moment, I want to be prepared if that unique, unlikely moment happens, and I want my I want to be ready with a plan when it does. So that's what okay. we're, at. we're trying to do the best we can um, under the circumstances, and we we certainly uh, again. I my daughter goes to U of A. I want to hear that she's able to go back. She lost her she lost her freshman year, you know, the end of it, and is taking online classes. But compared to what other people are suffering in other places and the health of Everyone else, you know, my problems are very small. Yeah, yeah. That was Jonathan Perlman of FC Tucson. Carpe diem there's Jonathan Carpe diem. Take care. Yes, you as well, Steve. Take care. Thank you. Hey, Tom, let's go to a quick break here. Thanks, Jonathan. We'll get back on the other side here on 1030 The Voice. Hey, welcome back to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. Now, just you and I, Tom Callahan. Just you and I, Tom Callahan. That sounds like uh, we're almost going on a, a dinner date separately together. Yeah, we talked about that yesterday. You got this. I'll sit in row six or seat six. You have to seat in row uh, or seat 12 or 13. Tom, you want some popcorn? <laughs> Throw me the peanuts. <laughs> right, 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 right. And we'll probably be the only two in the building anyway. So yeah, really probably. Know. Yeah. Uh, did you see that Gronk and Brady had kind of talked about this a few months ago? Yeah, they uh, uh, two months ago, it, it roughly was the timeline there. But I mean, is that is that so surprising uh, no that uh, Gronk I felt like would keep playing but again Steve there's something rotten in the state of Denmark when you look at the Patriots right now I mean the look the rats are leaving the ship that's the only way I can term it yeah no question um, I don't remember who we had on yesterday but it's always uh, the Al McGuire uh, said this to Lute uh, Lute Olsen uh, a long time ago and Lute always says this uh, most coaches most good coaches know to stay about seven years and after seven years, you've kind of worn out your welcome, good or bad, and it's time to find a new job. Uh, Lute spent about uh, 25 years, I think, in his job. Sean's at 11. He just finished 11. So, you know, after a while, no matter what you do, good or bad, it's probably some time to go. And obviously, Belichick has had a lot of success at New England, but the, his players and the act grows old. 
Yeah, not only that, Steve, but it's different in pro sports than it is in college because you cycle your lineup 100% at a max of four years. In pro football, like for instance, the Brady-Belichick marriage, I mean, that's been a long time in the works. And you know what? Sometimes you get to year 10, 15, or 20 with a coach and a player together, and or, or even less, obviously, and it just doesn't work anymore. Yeah, no question. In fact, I was watching yesterday, I think on ESPN, uh, talking about uh, the Golden State Warriors and the, um, uh, I think Draymond had talked uh, on a radio station talking about, um, um, tell me, the tall skinny guy, I'm losing my mind, um, Durant. Durant and, and kind of how he resented him and his he, he compared his time with, um, with Golden State to Jordan's and I think it was Pippin's. Uh, and that competition or whatever, I, I could be getting this whole story wrong, but the egos involved, and you know this because you've, you've, you've been around athletes with egos. I'm talking big time egos. I've seen them here. I've seen them in, in the NBA. Oh, sure. Um, when they need, they kind of need that attention, even though they make millions, there's that, um, that need for being the the alpha dog, the alpha dog, not a alpha dog, the alpha dog, like Irving and um, and tell me um, and and LeBron when they broke up in sure, Cleveland, and sure. Irving needed to be that guy, and then realized when he left, maybe I'm not the guy. And you know, here's here's an even more famous example, a little bit more towards my era of basketball. But Phil Jackson obviously kept all the thoroughbreds going the right direction in Chicago long enough to get a bunch of titles out of them. But Phil Jackson in L.A., I'm interested in your take on this because the Shaq Kobe, yeah. I can't even call it a marriage. It was an uneasy truce, and Jackson trying to mitigate it in the middle of all that. I mean that it that's a classic example of okay, you know, the egos fighting and clashing, and then one guy finding out he's not the guy after he's been the guy, and another guy saying I am the guy, but is he the guy? <laughs> There's so much at work there, and of course that's pro sports, but it still happens in the college level. Yeah, no question. It, it does. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've witnessed this. Uh, in fact, I would say that it happened two, three years ago with uh, Aiton, Trier, and Alkins, and not so much Alkins, but Trier and, and, uh, and Aiton, uh, given that there was only one ball and you had numbers. And I've said this before. I don't know if you've been my producer at the time. Numbers mean nothing in college. Nothing. You can look at the stat sheet and you can come up with 20 points a game and 10 rebounds or whatever. Those are nice stats. But if you can't play the game at the next level, you're not going to play the game at the next level. If you have a good 12 and 8 and your athletic is all heck. Look, Josh Green is perfect, a perfect example. What did he prove this year in basketball? That he's not ready? Yeah, if that. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> Guess know? what? Guess what's going to happen? He's, People are going to draft him and he'll be ready. Sure. Or, or have to be ready. So it's not about numbers. If people look at stat sheets and think this, and I got this, and I got, it means nothing, especially in college basketball. I'm sure it's the same thing in college football. They, go, they have the seasons, obviously 10, 11 games. You see a lot of film, and guess where they have to go after that? The combine. What if you're just a slow dude who plays well? Yeah. And you know what, Steve? There's, there's also another thought that you just planted in my brain with – 
let's say you are a one and done and you go in and you just stink up the joint your freshman year. But if you've been branded with that potential tag, people will make excuses for you and the investment will be made in you as an athlete uh, at the next level because people, other people were told that's what's supposed to happen. So even if you're, you're not ready, people will still invest the time and the money in you because they believe, oh, well, he was tagged as someone who should be the guy. So we're going to, you know, uh, take a chance on him being the guy. And yeah, I no question. And but then there's going to be other players who don't get the chance to emerge in a college game setting because of that. I think no question. In fact, I watched uh, the draft from 2017 yesterday on ESPN because they're showing everything, anything and everything. And they drafted a kid from Utah, Bowles, I think it is. And I heard this a number of times with him and others. Well, he has a lot of upside. He has a lot of upside. You know what that means? He's not ready yet. Right. Because you have a lot of upside. It's kind of like the word potential. Well, he's got a lot of potential. You know what that means? He hasn't realized it yet. Yeah. I always say potential is a double-edged sword. You know, it cuts both ways. It's it's potential. Are you going to realize it? And some guys never do realize the potential. No. No. In fact, uh, it's funny. Um, uh, back in 98, uh, Bibby was a freshman. Uh, no, a sophomore, I'm sorry. And he declared he declared Bibby was ready. There was no question about that. Uh, very smart, very IQ-ish, could shoot, could do a lot of things, lead teams. Uh, and the guy that he battled, or if that's the right word, was Olakondo. Uh, Olakondi from, uh, I think he was from Pacific. Seven-footer, good player, pretty good player. You know, probably player of the year in his conference. Bibby was going to be either one or two. And uh, the Clippers picked Olikondi Olikondi, uh, first, and Bibby was second by Vancouver. And I wrote a column. uh, I said, this is where the Clippers are the Clippers. Back in the day, they were horrible uh, because they went after a guy with potential and potential and uh, some some height because you can't teach seven feet and didn't go for Bibby, which the guy they needed. uh, and, And how'd that work out? Not very well. Not very well because you, you sure you can't teach height, but you can still know what you see in a good basketball player. And I feel like much like in the NFL where the era of the smaller running back is returning, uh, are we out of the era of the big, big man in the NBA? Yeah, no question. No question. In fact, I don't know if we talked about it on the show recently, but the game has changed so much that you don't need a center. You're, 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 you're three guards and spread the court and pass the ball. It's it's the Golden State Warriors theory. Just kind of pass, find the open man. Say, hey, you can even have an easy shot underneath. Guess where it happens? They pass it out to the three-point line. And as long as you got... Well, that's the other thing, Steve. Remember when guys could shoot? <laughs> yes, a long time ago. No question. Hey, I thought going into this season that Arizona's team was probably the best shooting team Sean had ever had. He admitted it in early November. Uh, how'd that turn out, uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Lincoln? Yeah. Other than that, how was the play? Yeah, uh, because it was horrible, and we, it was it was widespread bad uh, from a good team that you thought in November, early December, that this team had potential. To, there you go again, potential to do well, and it hardly did that. But potential can sell tickets. Yes, yes. Until until it proves that it's not. Potential, because we saw that the potential was there in November, December, and by the end of February, March, people, fewer people started going to games. Yeah, it was weird hearing advertisements on, on this station uh, for basketball tickets, men's basketball tickets. That's something, I haven't been here that long, I've only been here since 2016, but I've never heard that, ever. Yeah. 
you know, because you because you hadn't. I've been here thirty some years now and, and covered the teams pretty heavily, and and yeah, I hadn't heard that either. They were desperately trying to sell tickets because people and the fan base had already kind of given up. The loyal people that should be, uh, even the student body, was kind of not showing up. Uh, but luckily, they still had one other f- favorite team. And that was the women's team, Adia Barnes. Absolutely. And they deserve to be a favorite team. Yeah. Imagine the potential next year with them. It's always hard to live up to that potential. Oh, sure. So uh, we joked about it. I think we had her on the air, what, maybe 10 days ago? And it says, well, it's easy to, it's, it's probably easier to get to the top and more difficult to stay there. Everybody wants to take a shot at the king. That's for sure. Yep. 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 Are we good to go? We're good to go almost, are we? Yep. Good show today. I, I'm glad I had Bill Buckmaster on the show today uh, to shed light on his uh, his um, interview with Dr. Robbins. Good to talk to Jonathan Perman with FC Tucson. I'll talk to you one more day tomorrow. We're on Wednesday, right? We're, today's Wednesday. We'll see you Thursday. It is. I will be here tomorrow. Okay. Talk to you tomorrow, Tom. Thank you.